I am free. 
My name is Kaibo Thomas, one of the pastors here. Great honor and privilege to be with you this morning. Anybody ready to thank our master, thank our savior, thank God? Come on, let's do it out already this morning. Um, man, what a, what, a fresh, what a fresh song, amen? What a fresh song. Psalms 143 says, uh, verse 8 through 12, says, God, remind me of your love in the morning. That just, just Let that simmer in your spirit this morning. Jesus, remind me of all the times you came in the nick of things, all the times you heard me, all the times I was wayward and you came and chased me. Our God is good, amen? Our God is good. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. If you are a first-time guest, man, we don't, we don't uh, take it lightly that you're here this morning. You know, Maui's a beautiful place. There's a lot of things that you can do. And, you know, the fact that you guys have chosen to come and join us this morning, we, we are ecstatic about, we're excited about. Uh, on the way in, you got a bulletin. Uh, you can find out a, a lot more than what I'm going to say this morning about Waipuna Chapel um, in that bulletin. Uh, a couple of things I want to highlight. Um, in that bulletin is a Connect card. We have uh, an offering box in the front here and an offering box uh, in our Connect table. Um, use that Connect card if you need a prayer, right? If you need support in prayer, put your request on there, name, number on the front. Say, hey, pray for me and what's going on. Put that in the Connect, uh, sorry, in the offering box. We'll, we'll pray faithfully for that this week. If you got a praise, like we've been praying for something for you and the answer came, we want to know. Hey, name and number on the front. Say, hey, we've been praying for this, and God answered it. We, we love to celebrate you. And, and then the third thing, if you just need support that's not prayer, like, I don't know, you move in a house or, I don't know, you just need help, you know, with uh, hands and feet, you know, we, we want to support you in that way too. So name it on the front, need on the back, put that in the offering box sometime in the service, and we'll be sure to get a hold of you. 
Um, there's also a confidential bubble. If you want to just keep it amongst the pastors and elders, uh, go ahead and check that off, and we will we'll keep that amongst us. Um, and then also in there is an offering envelope. We don't necessarily take a time during service to, to take a, an offering. Um, use that offering envelope. We also have online and text-to-give options, monthly giving. Um, you know, use that as an, a benefit to you. If you're a first-time guest this morning, don't feel obligated to have to give, especially if God and money in the church is kind of, you know, funky to you. Don't give us anything. You can come and take and take and take as long as you want. There's, there's an abundance here from God. Amen? And uh, our instruction to you is, you know, come and take until you have too much in your hands to do. And when you have overflowing blessing from God, give unto God who gives uh, generously to all those who trust in him. Amen? So... Um, that's a little snippet. Uh, what you can think, uh, expect in service. So Travis and team is going to continue to worship through music. I say worship through music because we also worship through prayer. And then um, this morning we are continuing our um, a beautiful mess series. And we're going to worship through God's word. Amen. And then after that, we encourage you guys to just hang out a little bit after service and worship through fellowship. We got some uh, uh, donuts and coffee and things for you. But feel free to, for, to kick back a little bit. Um, next week is our Aloha Sunday, so if you're here next week Sunday, um, we're gonna have some food and and some uh, some festivities after service. So once a month, we kind of just you know pot blessing. So everybody brings uh, some food, and you know we hang out and bring out some tables, and you know enjoy one another's fellowship. So that's next week Sunday. Will also be our communion Sunday, and so I'm excited about that. If you've been coming to Ipuna for a little bit, and you're just thinking, man, I I love coming, I love the church. What's my next step? Well, we have a next step class uh, coming up July 30th and August 6th. This is going to be after this service at our Kula campus. Pastor Josh will be there just talking you through what is, what is the next step. I'm coming to church on a regular basis. I'm learning about God. What, what else? Right? How do I get closer to God? How do I you know, get more involved in the church? Well, anyway, that's one. Use the Connect card to sign up on that. We also have uh, an online option as well if you want. We have a, a church life, um, a church center, church app, and, and a lot of the events that we have, you can sign up um, on there. But Connect Card is easy as well. Or if you're really sophisticated, you could just bust out your phone right now, QR code on. You guys like that? It's good, huh? I like that balance. You know, we're here, outdoor, open air, on the ranch, and we got QR codes, right? It's kind of cool, bro. You know, it's good. I like it. I like it. Um, we had a, last week, we had a celebration, a 4th of July celebration here um, on this campus. And we'll have Ken and Mora come and share a little bit about Mako Stampede. Um, while Mako Stampede was happening here, we had a great celebration up at Kula as well. And uh, we got some photos up there, but it was just kind of a full house um, we had a baptism of some individuals, some full families, kids, and uh, 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 Vince in the middle. But, yeah, just kind of cool. If you haven't been baptized, you got a question of baptism, use that connect card. Hey, I, I don't know anything about baptism. What is that about? You know, we can, we can get you informed. We try to have baptisms uh, once a month, but if no more anybody get baptized, we're not going to have them, you know. But it's uh, readily available to anyone. I think there are some people here who's been thinking about it, but yeah, be praying. You know, we can do it at campus in our uh, horse trough, which is good, right? But if you want to do it in the ocean too, we can do it in the ocean. 
we, we do live on an island. There's lots of, uh, lots of water around us to do that. So, um, yeah, no, just great celebration there. Um, but, yeah, God is doing a fresh work, man. I don't know if you guys, I don't know what, what your feel is or once your, your sense is, but, man, God is, the Spirit of God is moving up country. We're, there are people coming to the Lord now that are, like, leaving addictions. They're leaving like we we got a, we we probably got a dozen people at uh, amongst our service here in Kula that are that left the new age movement and they're just like that's dead that's empty i need something else and that something else is they're being introduced to Jesus and it's like you know just vibrant faith where they're like man you know i was told all these lies and now they're tasting the fresh breath of Jesus and and his work and man it's it's a fresh work so we're excited for last week um and what God was doing there but uh before I bring Uncle Ken and Auntie Moore up here, I'm going to call Daniel Miranda up on the stage. Uh, he's their son. He just finished his uh, first year in college. And uh, I don't call every college student up here. Sorry. Um, but, you know, Daniel's one of the first ones to, to come through this program. And, hey, you get your own mic, bro. This is good. This might go longer than, than we thought. Uh, but I asked Daniel to share a little bit of, of uh, let's do interview style. Yeah. So what school did you go to? Uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, California. Oh. And uh, what did you do most of your time there? <laughs> school and take care of the four horses that I have there. That is a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Daniel was... Uh, made it onto the rodeo team the rodeo team right yeah. as a freshman how many freshmen made the competition team so cal poly and rodeo is different than football and basketball if you want a rodeo for any school you're allowed to join the rodeo club well from that club the coach will choose six guys and four women to be on the points team for the school so on our men's points team, there was two freshmen, me along with a bareback rider from Oregon. So you're one of two freshmen on six. Yeah, there wasn't, I think there might have been one girl freshman on the women's team. So there was only three freshmen. But we had the freshmen coming in to the rodeo team this year was about half of the whole team. How, how did that pan out for you? It, it worked pretty well, yeah, going into... Uh, throughout the season, I competed pretty well, and uh, when we came to the final, the regional finals, I ended up uh, finishing number one in our region in the calf roping. That's kind of cool. So number one in the the western region. That's kind. That's pretty. That's not too bad. Yeah, and then. <laughs> Nah, it was okay. There was some competitors. So I was the only freshman in the top 10 in the calf roping. And all the other kids were master students and graduate students. And it was a tough, tough year of competition. There are good calf ropers out there. And they're good people, too. Really good people. Then after regionals, we went to uh, Casper, Wyoming, to the College National Finals Rodeo. And that was a week-long competition, four-head four average and I ended up seventh in the nation there. That's not too bad. I called Daniel. I said, Daniel, how do you do? Seventh. He goes, oh, good job. He goes, ah, only top six places got prizes. 
And the kid that won Rookie of the Year in our event got 24th in the nation, but did better than me in one round, so I got second in the Rookie of the Year, too. <laughs> That's not bad, bro. So I asked Daniel to share just how he saw God in the midst of it, and, and it kind of was good dialogue. Um, you know, Daniel has high expectations. He's been doing this his whole life, like, you know, him and I'm sure a lot of the boys and girls want to they want to be first place, and they want to the get the, the prize, and, you know, he didn't walk away with the prize uh, for the nation, but I said, you know, how was God working in the midst of that? So share a little bit about that. Well, we, it's hard to see God when you're up on the high of the mountain and you're winning everything, but I definitely saw him the most when we were during the middle of the school year, and I'm loaded with homework, and maybe practice didn't go too well that week, and I'm just broken, sitting my door broken. Just was felt lonely. <laughs> it would sorry. And when I was sitting there by door broken, just by myself, that practice sucked. And maybe it was good for some other kids, but for me and my such high expectations, it just didn't go well. And when I wrote you, I expect perfection out of everything I do and I'm just sitting there thinking that I don't deserve to be where I am man. that maybe I don't deserve to be on the rodeo team man. my coach and I was like dude you're doing amazing like you're sitting top 10 in the world number one in the region and I just sit there and I have to pray I was like god man it's hard why am I doing this like I don't think I should be here Rodeo kind of sucks at the moment, <laughs> but um, it's so helpful. Like, I'll be sitting there with my horses at the end of a week, taking care of them, and I'll be like, God, just what's happening? Is it going to get better? And sure enough, the week after, I'll go to a jackpot or a rodeo, and <sighs> there'll be someone there that just makes better. Maybe I don't win, but God would just put someone there in my life and he'd be like, hey, you see this? You got it pretty good, man. You get a rodeo for one of the best teams in the nation, have the best coach in the nation, has this whole family supporting me behind me back here on the islands. Like, sometimes I get care packages from home, and I can remember vividly a couple times opening it up and seeing like Lee Mui and going. <laughs> gummy bears and I'll be like home oh. and then I read the card and my auntie Gail will be like Daniel we love you we'll be back here supporting you and it's just getting those care packages sometimes was so awesome <laughs> it just made my whole week so much better and I remember breaking out in tears a couple times in a dorm room because man, classes suck sometimes and some of the kids there they're just kind of every so often but, yeah, definitely God helped me out in the low times. And then when I got to the good times, it's, I just got to keep remembering that he was there when I wasn't doing good. And keep thanking him when I do get up on the top of the mountain. And it's just wasn't my timing this year, but I know in his time it will happen. That's good. That's good. That's good. You know, I, I, I love... Uh, isn't that fresh, you know, just fresh to, to see the struggle and then to see God's provision in the struggle, you know, and uh, 
at first when I was asking Daniel, where was God in the midst of it? It was hard for him to see. But, you know, after some processing, you know, being able to see like, man, maybe it was good that he wasn't first place in every round and first place in, in the nation. Because, you know, would you rather be first place without the Lord or, you know, last place with the Lord? And you were kind of in the middle, you know, some first, some last and, yeah. you know, rich, rich with God's presence, though. Yes, for Amen. sure. For rich sure. with God's presence. Initially, I wanted his sister here also, but Elizabeth is on her way or in there already on her way to compete in uh, the high school nationals also. So be praying for Elizabeth. Um, Uncle Ken, Auntie Mora, come up here and uh, share a little bit this morning. So uh, last weekend on property here, you know, there was thousands of uh, uh, people from our community and our islands and some from out of the state that came and um, participated in uh, the Mako Sempi. What year is this? Well, for us, it's third year, but for this rodeo, it's about seven years. Yeah, yeah. So third year for them here on this new site. And so um, I'm not sure you guys seen the new bleachers. But kind of cool, kind of cool. Um, little, I'll, I'll do a little snippet and you guys can share. Uh, they wanted to do a blessing over the bleachers before the weekend started. So I show up in the morning and, and I'm reading from uh, Solomon as he's building this temple. And it's talking about a cubic here and a cubic square foot here and a cubic here. I mean, it's just kind of like what God downloaded to Solomon was pretty exact. And it was all cubics. And a cubic uh, measurement is 18 inches. So I'm sharing about that, and then, you know, I just, all the details, really only the guys who put up the, every screw and every, you know, bracket and every frame, they, they would appreciate the, the, you know, the dynamics. But anyway, Jess, who is one of the, the leading foremen, he goes, 18 inches, that's right here. Like, that's how they divide up 2,000 seats on the bleachers, was by 18-inch uh, segments. So it was, was kind of, you know, God was in the midst of all of it. So share a little bit about what God did over the weekend and you know well <clears throat> go back a little further what you're talking about putting those bleachers up so when the bleachers started getting built we were in wyoming watching him compete and all these containers show up with all everything was in thirty thousand pieces um but again it's it's not us it, it takes a group and we had a we have an amazing team so Jess taking the lead, working with uh, the manufacturer, um, started piecing this all together and looking at blueprints that would boggle my mind. <clears throat> but by the time we got back about five, six days later, you know, everything was started uh, construction and coming well along. And, um, you know, um, always talk about being humble so Daniel goes from competing on the national level, comes home, gets a job with the ranch, and I said, get over there, you're connecting screws. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we came down to sheesh, two days before the rodeo, and when we finally were putting the last pieces together. But again, uh, we've got an amazing community, village, people that help us. Uh, and, and like the crazy ideas that we've had of transforming this place. And a big part of that has been, you know, the church here. Because, uh, as, as you say, anything is possible with God. 
and that's definitely, my goodness, been the major part of, of making this happen. Um, we're just some little facilitators that, like I said, got some, some ideas and um, stay humble and keep heading in the right direction. So, along with that, um, Ken said our village. So, um, it was our, the ranch, our fence company guys, and then we called in um, Chuck Decoit and Jessica um, with their fence company, and they pulled their guys off their jobs to come build with us. And Jess pulled his guys, and people showed up that when we put the call out, that we need help, like we're, we're down to the ninth hour and the rodeo's happening and 2,000 people are showing up and we don't have all the screws tightened. But they showed up and they put on their belts and it was hot and it was tedious. Um, like Pastor shared that it was like God's download. If you read those sections of building the ark and all those different things, the temple and the ark, and like God is a, is a perfectionist. And he's a detail, and down to the littlest things, and that's what this building, this um, set of bleachers, but we certainly didn't do it ourselves, and um, we are thankful for this church. Um, we thought, we shared on Sunday, in the midst of all this grandeur of the rodeo and the concert and the production and VIPs and all of that, bull bash and all of that, um, we had to re be reminded that God was here, like God reminded Daniel when he was on the high and the lows, that God was here and he formulated this plan for us to be here. Like we didn't decide to come to Maui from the Big Island. God brought us here and he brought us here for a mission, which we don't completely understand, but we're just trying to be in our failures and in our imperfections, be obedient. So Sunday, we have this place set up for a VIP, we're on rodeo mode, and in the midst of it, remind, being reminded to make space for God, because he was here before us, and figuring out how to stay humble and say, yes, you're right in the middle of all of this, and, um, and then that was good, you know, it was a little struggle, because we're in rodeo mode, and we've got tables set up for VIPs and different things, and yet being reminded that if we don't make space for God in all that we do, he'll be, he's okay with it. He's like, that's, we have free will. But we need to sometimes be obedient and choose. And he wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose a space and set that apart. And so that was super strong in my heart Sunday when we had a moment in, a fraction of mo a moment in time to put God in his rightful place on the top in the middle of all of this or say I'm sorry God we're busy we're like we're planning we got VIPs showing up at this time and that time and okay well we'll stick you over here in this corner and is that going to be enough because you're just going to be part of this production but um, it was really clear Sunday morning that he needed to be in his rightful place in the center of it all so we could say thank you because he provided all of this so anyway by the way, Daniel owes a dollar in the swear jar. <laughs> um, no, really, I mean, what God is doing 
in upcountry through what God is doing on this property, through what God is doing in the lives of those who are managing this is, is really of God's kingdom. You know, it's like not, no one can get, no one person can get the attention for that. So uh, we mahalo God for that. You know, we mahalo you guys for your faithfulness. You know, Ipuna, thank you guys for your guys' prayers and support. Uh, can we just pray for them? And we'll pray for Elizabeth as well. And uh, we'll continue our, our service this morning. Um, Jesus, we give you praise for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this property. We thank you, Lord, for the ranch. Lord, we thank you for um, the season that Ken and Mora have been called to steward it. Um, Lord, thank you that they've handed it over to you. And, and, you know, daily they ask for your wisdom and guidance. And, God, you have worked out a masterpiece, God, because they have trusted in you. And, and so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to get all the glory. You know, we pray, God, that you continue to download uh, your thoughts for upcountry and this ranch, God, and this rodeo. Um, you'd continue to download that to Ken and Mora and their team. And, uh, yeah, so excited, Lord. We, we pray, God, that you would give us vision, too, you know, what Waipuna's role is in it here. And we pray more um, that your kingdom would come, God, that salvations would come, that people would come to know who you are, Lord, because of what is happening here. And it's not always easy to make that connection, but, you know, buying a ticket and coming to a rodeo doesn't necessarily get people connected with you. But we pray, God, that that would happen in some shape, form, or fashion. And so we just uh, wait on you, God, for that guidance. And uh, thanks for Daniel, Lord, and, and walking him through his first college year and, you know, um, thanks for what he learned during his successful times, Lord, what he learned in his down times, God, uh, what he learned in the losses. And, and we do pray, God, that you would uh, continue to shape and form him in your image. We pray for Elizabeth um, as she's out and about, Lord, uh, preparing for her nationals. I pray that, um, yeah, she would draw close to you, Lord, in these times and just uh, really refine the faith that she has in you and uh, pray that she would draw well and, uh, you know, um, yeah, just see you in the midst of all of it. So we give you praise, Lord. Uh, we welcome you to be a part of this service this morning. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, as the uh, Travis and the team come up, uh, I just want to encourage you to take a posture. It's most comfortable to you. If you want to stand, definitely stand. If you're a sitter, sit. I'm always encouraging those who are tired to stand. Um, but yeah, let's uh, spend some time uh, worshiping our Lord this morning.
Here we go, I'll cut you, Maui. Let's open up the gates. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Mm -hmm. Our God who comes to save, He said it set captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Oh God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before him. Oh God is a lamb, the lamb that was
Praise God. If you missed the first introduction, my name is Kaipo Thomas, uh, one of the pastors here. Great honor and privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, so we are making our way through Paul's first letter to the church that um, abided in Corinth, which is southern eastern part of Greece. And a um, little context, the believers in Corinth were first generation. Before the Apostle Paul came and preached the gospel, the gospel didn't exist, right? There was no one there who said, uh, I came from a family who loved Jesus. I had grandparents who loved Jesus, great-grandparents who loved Jesus. My nation says, in God we trust. Everything that we accept as godly here in our country didn't exist there, right? They were, rather than being monotheistic, belief in one God, 
Corinth and Greece was polytheistic. I mean, you just think about um, like Greek gods, right? Like that, that's the world that the Apostle Paul went in and preached to. Rather than having the Son of God, Jesus, worshipped, Julius Caesar would print money that says, I'm the Son of God. You know, it just was like a completely godless world, but there was a lot of gods, small g, active and at work in Corinth. The Apostle Paul comes in and he starts preaching about Jesus and a radical transformation happens in the lives of individuals and then in that area. We, we pick up the letter. I'm just going to re- review a little bit. Uh, chapter 1, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Jesus Christ. That in every way you were enriched. Everybody say enriched. In him, God, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Meaning that the spirit of the living God moved in such a way where not only was God introduced, not only did they have this revelation of who Jesus was, meaning he was more than a man, he was God who walked on earth in the flesh. Not only those things, right? Not only God's existence, not only who Jesus was, but then they started to feel the impact of God active and at work in their lives. And not just from leaving things of the world, but being called on to the things of God. Hello? Hello? We good this morning? That God didn't just deliver them from their sinful ways, but God had a mission for their life. God didn't say, I just want to do a cleanup work. God's like, I got a mission for you. I got a plan for your life. Inserted into the conversation was the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the fruit that comes from the tree, right, of being rooted and established in the work of God, right, the Spirit of God was gifts to accomplish God's work, talent to accomplish God's work, fruit, right, character of God so that they would live like God even though they weren't necessarily working for God at times. We good? Uh, so, so it's like up here, right? It's like when, when you see the, the worship team, they, they have a skill set that came from the Spirit of God. Amen? But when they're off stage, the Spirit of God is active and at work in their lives, so they get to demonstrate God in their character. Amen? And this was a fresh work. This was a fresh work. This was as foreign, right, as light is to darkness. I mean, it just was a, a, a completely different concept. And the Apostle Paul shows up, right, and he's like, man, he's reminding the, the, the Corinthian church that there was one thing that brought that change. It was one message that brought that change. And the message was Christ crucified. Christ crucified. For the Jews, it was a stumbling block. For those that weren't in, you know, like Jews were raised with a God monotheistic belief. For those that weren't Jews, everybody else who they would entitle as Gentiles, it was a completely foreign concept. And, And what is foolishness? What was a stumbling block? That God would come and live and dwell and then that God would die at the hands of ungodly ones, non-God ones. You guys get that? 
Like, like it, it's, it's the superhero story. Only thing, the superhero dies, not from the villain who's superpowered, but from the average person. For Gentiles, it's like foolishness. Like, what? God? And then he dies? Like, that doesn't make any sense. For the Jewish people, it was a stumbling block. Why? They were waiting for the Messiah. Jesus came. He said he was the Messiah. And then they were like, well, I don't know if he is the Messiah. Right? Because he did some things that were different than their religion. But this work was a fresh work. Right? It was undeniable. Even though the message was hard to understand and hard to swallow, the impact of lives who had put their faith and trust in Jesus, the impact, the change, the transformation that started to work was undeniable. Guys started, right, giving up old uh, practices and old traditions and doing something totally brand new. Rather than hating on others and judging others, they started to hang out with people of the same race, people of the same new religion, and people of the foreign. I mean, there was, I mean, talk about we living in a world where, you know, discrimination, hatred, those things, I mean, you, you rewind 2,000 years, and it was way worse than it is now. But inserted into that community, people started to hang out together. They started to pray together. They started to go to church together, right? And they started looking around them. And I don't think of, I mean, outside of the marketplace, any other area in Corinth where you had people of different gender, status, ethnicity, background, all in one place, right? So the Apostle Paul hang, hung out in Corinth, established his church, he left, and he's sending this letter back. And in this letter is some encouragements, right? Some correction. And, you know, I had an older sister and a younger sister, and my dad came home all the time, and my dad was active at work, and I was enlisted into Thomas Company, Inc., you know, Every time my dad came home, I, I was put to work. And, you know, my dad's loving instruction when I was younger seemed like yelling. And I thought it was yelling most of the time. And not until I was older did I realize the heart behind it, right? Not only was he trying to teach me safety, but he also wanted me to be as skilled as he was in all the things that he was teaching me, right? This letter is kind of like that, right? Like there's a lot of correction, but hidden with inside of the correction is what? The father heart of God. You guys caught that? Hidden within the correction is what? The desires of God, the hopes of God. What is on God's mind for the people in Corinth? And so um, we, we jump into this letter. The Apostle Paul says, he starts, right? I, Paul, who used to be Saul, I didn't love God. Now I do love God. Was called by the will of God to be an apostle, right? An ambassador of God, right? Sent forth with specific orders, this apostleship, you'll hear a little bit more in this letter, is, is what's being challenged. There's a group in the Corinth church that's like, bro, who are you to tell me what I am supposed to do to become more godly? Who are you, right? What gives you the right to instruct me in God's ways? Weren't you used to be Saul, the persecutor? And so Paul's kind of in a little mission. He's like, I've been sent by God to give you this mission. I understand my past, Right? And it may be a stumbling block to you, but I also understand my, my calling. And so there's a little bit of tension here, right? For some of those early believers, they're a little bit Jewish, a little bit have some background, a little bit worldly in this church. And they're trying to learn about God. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes, it is only by the grace of God that I am who I am. What is the grace of God? 
It's everything that God is doing in our lives that we don't deserve. Amen? Anybody can give testament to the grace of God at work in your life? Right? The Apostle Paul says, I'm a nobody. I am who I am only because of what God has done in my life. And I, man, you guys heard it in Daniel's testimony. You heard it in Uncle Ken and Auntie Mora's testimony. Right? I think some of you guys are sensing it in your own testimony that there's, like, God is active. God is at work. As you guys come to God with open hearts, man, he's like, let's go, right? And he's shaping and forming us to be godly, and he's shaping a God community here, right? I mean, the, the book of Corinth is like the story of Waipuna Chapel Makua. At once never have church, and now get one church, right? At once never have a community of faith, and now get one community of faith, right? And how, how are we here today? You heard in Uncle Ken's testimony, not by their will, not by my will, but by the will of and, and what are we what are we saying? What are we or what is God communicating when we say we're here because of the will of God? We're communicating that God has a heart for us. God has a heart for your family. God has a heart for upcountry Maui. Is that that's shaka, right? That's good. Like you can leave your encouraged city because you know that God has a work. How do you know? Look around you. Right? This work of what God is doing here, right? came from his heart. And so the Apostle Paul says, according to the grace given to me, as a skilled master believer, your spiritual father, he says, be imitators of me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Because he wants this Corinth believers to go from being immature Christians to being adolescent Christians to being what? Mature Christians to being what? Skilled master builders of the faith. That's the goal for all of us, amen? Skilled master builders of the faith. So let's uh, pause, we'll pray, we'll jump into the letter, and we'll, we'll talk about this journey. Jesus, thanks for this morning. We're ecstatic, Lord, stoked for this morning, Lord. I love your word, and I love the desire that your word communicates about your heart for us. Jesus, give us ears to hear you. Give us a heart to receive, Lord, what you have for us today. Give us minds, God, to understand those things. And to all these things, God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, last week we had guest speaker, which means we're in this chapter. So you guys get two chapters today. We good? In a short amount of time. So, here we go. So, chapters 3 and 4, there's a concept here. I'm going to start in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. But I, brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Did you guys catch it? How many of you guys caught the correction? How many of you guys caught the desire of God? Right? Hidden within the correction is the desire of God. And what is the desire of God? That they would be spiritual people. That they would be mature in Christ. Right? That they would have knowledge and understanding and wisdom within regard to Christ. That they would feed on solid spiritual food and that they would serve the king. So we got some contrast here. 
spiritual people versus the fleshly, carnal-natured people that they once were, right? And he knows that there's a little bit of that still there. Why? Because there's jealousy and strife and bickering and division amongst the believers. He's not talking about the division that's in the world because there should be division in the world. We understand? But now that Jesus was inserted into their lives, into their community, the Holy Spirit is active and at work. The encouragement is that there should be, anybody? What is God's desire? There should be harmony, unity, love. You understand? That's the heart of God. And so the Apostle Paul is adding correction. Why? Because that's not what is happening here. And it's actually giving them a way to assess their spiritual maturity. Everybody say spiritual maturity. Right? He's assessing where they are within their walk with God. By looking at how they treat God and how they treat one another. And how they treat one another is evidence of their immaturity versus their maturity. Okay? So, spiritual people versus fleshly. Mature in Christ versus immature. Right? Not being able to feed on solid food, but they're still on spiritual milk. So this concept of infants in Christ, it's not new in the Bible. You read uh, the New Testament, and it talks about people who go from lost to saved, and not to saved, but sanctified, and sanctified to sent. Right? There's this progression where we don't go, we don't know God, and then God says, hey, how's it going? I'm here. I know you. I love you. Right? And then you're introduced to God, introduced to his love. The more you get to God, the more you understand how much not like God you are. Amen? But God doesn't leave you there. He wants to insert into the conversation his grace and the work of the Spirit to take your carnal flesh and transform it to becoming something that's out of this world, something that's miraculous, that is encompassed by a statement when people say, man, I see Christ in you. What does that sound like? You're not, you, maybe you don't wear a Christian shirt. You don't have a Christian sticker on your car. And someone says, man, you could. Right? They see evidence, right? They look at you like, I hung out with people like you before. I hear it in your speech. I see it in your conduct. You're like that Jesus guy. Are you a Christian? If you've been asked that question, are you a Christian? You go to church. Your behavior is odd. You don't act like all the guys I hung out with on a Monday through Friday. Right? Like you're a little bit more at peace now. Shouldn't you be all ruffled up because our boss is anti us or, you know, well, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed? Hey, they, they... There's evidence, amen, in our lives that we are starting to live like Christ. What does that term mean, Christian? It's a term that was given by non believers of those who started believing in God and behaving like God. And they're like, man, you're like that Jesus guy, you're a Christian. So the Apostle Paul is addressing, right, this, this hope that they would be mature already. So he's doing two things. He's calling out their immaturity, but in the midst of it, he's talking about maturity. Like it's just not all negatives. Like, oh, you guys don't do this, you don't do that. In the midst of all of it, he's trying to move them on while he calls out their insecurity. So this thought with infants in Christ, right? I want to talk about this for a little bit. 
when we're thinking about those who just came to a knowledge of God and they just put their faith in God, yeah, they're like little babies in the world. Little babies, their life is real fragile. They're completely dependent on their parents, right? They're providers. So just like little babies are dependent on their parents, those that are just come to this knowledge of God, are their faith is real fragile, right? Real delicate. It can be lost real quick. There's no root. They're not established. They're not grounded, right? Their faith and their foundation is in question. And, and the question is, it comes to mind is what is their faith based on? And, and I want you guys to ask yourself this question this morning. Your understanding of God, your love for God, what is the foundation of that? I, I've been working with teens for a long time, and as the jun, you know, sophomores become juniors, juniors, seniors, I'm always telling them, like, three things are going to change in your life that have been transformational in you. The emotional excitement you get about Jesus. It's going to change when you leave. Your circumstance is going to change. You're not going to live on Maui. You're going to go off to college, right? You're not going to be around me. You're going to have to find your own church. The people around you that have encouraged your faith, they're not going to be around you. And you heard it a little bit in Daniel's uh, testimony. It's kind of being solo, out on his own, like, and then being able to establish a faith not dependent on those things. Th- those are massive. A lot of people stay committed to the Lord because of those three things for many a years. And once those things start kind of getting removed from your story, it gets a little, right? In the, in the beginning, you get excited. Oh, God loves me. I'm excited. And then you understand like, whoa, this sin factor, this sin machine inside of me is legit, right? You didn't even know the term sin before you came to Christ. And now you're like, man, I learned a three-letter word, God, and now I learned another three-letter sin. And it's just like, it can be very trying in those years, right? The emotion is gone. Are you going to continue to press on or are you going to backtrack because it doesn't feel good anymore? You know, we got a youth camp uh, uh, coming up this week and... um, I love it. There's a lot of emotion, right? Like there's a lot of hype, a lot of kids together. There's a lot of praise and, you know, and, and I feel like God can get himself in there. But if they don't move from the excitement to something more concrete, their faith is just going to be fragile until they move to something grounded. And so there's some basics, right, that um, we teach those that are infant in Christ to move them from infant in Christ to becoming adolescents. And so uh, three things to think about. Elementary understandings of God, spiritual food, and danger. So uh, here's some of the basics that we, we feed, right? That th- this would be what the Apostle Paul calls spiritual infant milk. Did I say that right? Sure. Yeah. Right? Just the basics. What would you feed those who just come to Christ? There's a, a, an understanding that God is present. Right? That's fundamental. That's so basic. Like, that's like the air that you breathe to stay alive. In order to stay alive, you got to understand that God is here. God is there. God is with you. God is for you. He's not against you. You know, like just those basic understandings of, of like God and his presence. Like you cannot run away from God. Psalms 139. Like even if I make my, my depths on the far side of the sea, even there you will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. There's, there's nowhere that God can't be. Right? There's the awareness, right, that 
you know that God knows you now. Did I say that right? Not only is God aware, I mean, not only are you aware that God is real, but now you know that God knows you. Right? That's big. He starts calling you by name. He starts moving in your, right? You start like, there, there's some tremors in your spirit that God is like trying to get your attention. And then you move on to holiness where God's like, I don't want you to stay where you are. Yeah? Let's move on to godly things. How do I do that? In certain conversation is the cross. Right? The power of the cross, the complete work of the cross, the forgiveness that is found on the cross. And then post the cross, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, moving us on to sanctification. And inserted there is some of the early Bible verses, right? The great commandment, love God, love others, right? I mean, I simplified it, but that's, it doesn't get much more basic than that. What are we supposed to do? In this? I'm a new believer. I love Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Love God, love other people. All right, I'm doing that, you know. And then the last words of Jesus, the great commandment. Yeah? Go, therefore, into all nations, baptizing, uh, making disciples, baptizing people in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them all that he had taught them, knowing that God is with them to the end. Like just some of the standard practices, right? This is what we teach those who are young in the faith. Some of the, some of the, the rhythms of an infant in Christ. You got to learn how to talk with God. Amen? Standard. Okay? And how do we talk to God? Eyes open, eyes closed. Amen? Either way, if you're driving, hopefully eyes open. <laughs> you know? You stand, you sit, do you kneel? Do you lay prostrate? Yes. Do you pray out loud, out soft? Yes. Do you pray praises and thanks and mahalos? Yes. Do you ask him for things? Yes. Right? I mean, th those rhythms of prayer are foreign to those who don't know. But for those who are coming into the faith, you got to know that you can talk to God at any time of the day, through any time of circumstance, at any posture. Right? Open up your heart and just let God know what is on your mind. He already knows it, but he wants the journey with us. Right? He wants us to know that he's concerned about us he's caring about us he's in love with us right next into that is inserting into god's word i had a, a pastor friend who became a believer and he and and right out of the gate he's like i gotta tell people about the great work that god is doing and the only verse he knew was john 3 16 so he was a one verse preacher he went and told people the transformation happened in his life with one verse and then he learned a second verse and he said i was a two verse preacher right and then he was a Parable preacher, and then a chapter preacher, right? Like, we got to grow in the knowledge of God. Not just have a Bible, but we got to have a Bible, amen? You get Bible app, get Bible audio, you know? I mean, you can have Bible any form, fashion that you want, right? So many different translations, different languages if you want. We got to have God's word, though, right? But hidden with inside of these four, right? Fellowship, hanging out with God's people, but not just hanging out, but we'll, we'll get into deeper. And obedience, as God says it. We do it, amen. But hidden within these basics is also what? The pathway to maturity. This is the basics of what we teach. It's kind of like uh, riding a horse. There's basics that you need to be there, but those basics also teach you to go from walking to riding to sprinting to, you know, there's just some standard things you do with a saddle, standard things you do with steering, like that just 
happen in the beginning, but they, they don't really change much the older you. And it's no different within Christianity. Prayer is taught in the beginning, but prayer is also the pathway, right, that mature people. One thing you're probably not going to do as an infant in Christ is pray for others. But that is a legitimate characteristic of somebody who's mature in Christ. Where you're not just praying for yourself and your own needs and your own wants. But then along the way you understand that there's an opportunity for God to use you to communicate to others through prayer what's on God's heart. You guys got that? Right? It's like there's prayer 101, prayer 201, prayer prayer 301. Right? There's insert of God's word 101, God's word 201, God's word 301. And the heart of the Apostle Paul is to move the Corinthian believers deeper in their knowledge of God, more grounded in their faith and their understanding. Because there's legit dangers when it comes to our faith. And unless we get grounded and established, right, the faith that we have in the beginning, excitement that we have in the beginning can get stifled out, right? So the parable of the sword, Jesus taught this parable about uh, this farmer goes out and he sows some seeds and some seeds fall on the path, some seeds fall amongst rocks, some seeds fall amongst thorns, and the other one smalls on, on good soil, right? And so there's four different things in there that, that tests out the faith, right? And so there's, there's others, Right? Uh, other people around you, the, the pressures of the world, the, the desires of your heart that stifle your faith. Or it could be um, ourselves, our own cravings, the carnal flesh, right? We have excitement for God, but then we excitement for the world. And how do we like walk that line of having one foot in the world and one foot in God? Jesus would say, you cannot, you cannot do that, right? And then the devil is out there scheming, right? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy what? The faith and love you have for God. We got to be rooted and established to be able to what? Use the weapons and the shields that God has given us to, to fight the spiritual battle. Right? If we're going from flesh to spirit, there's going to be not just good spirits, but also bad spirits that are trying to derail us from this journey that God has us on. And lastly, and, and, and I think those are probably, I don't know, you can learn about those things early, infant, adolescent years, but the concept that, that God is out to get me is a good one for us to understand. Some of you guys are like, what? God is out to get me? Kind of. He's hands-on in trying to move us from the flesh to the spirit. From ungodliness to godly. God is legitimately hands-on, right, in your old self. Amen? Okay? The Apostle Paul says in, in chapter 6, he, he, in chapter 6, he talks about this old way of living, this worldly, carnal, fleshly way of living. And he says, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Sanctified is that purification process, right? How are, uh, anyone watch that Alone series on uh, Netflix? They drop 10 people out into the wilderness with like a handful of tools. 
survive as long as you can. Right? And it's like, they, they don't have anything. Like, they just have, like, they know how to make fire, you know, and they're all kind of skilled outdoorsy, and it's whoever stays out there the longest wins, like, half a million dollars. But they got to purify their water. They got to purify their food. They don't want soap. They don't want, you know, utensils. It's like they got to grab water from the stream, burn it over fire, purify all the infirmities so that they can drink it and, and not get sick. The, 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 the work of God in our life to become godly isn't fun sometimes. But it is absolutely necessary for our growth. Absolutely necessary for our growth. And so justified, right, by the name of the Lord and by the work of the Spirit of God, you are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to jump to chapter 4. <clears throat> this is how we should regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required as stewards that they would be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged or examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge or examine myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges or examines me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And so what role does judgment and assessment and examination play within our spiritual growth. Massive, massive topic. Have you guys heard that statement, only God can judge me, right? Normally it's somebody who has knowledge of God but limited and they're like being judged by someone of their peers or someone and their response is like, who are you to judge me? Doesn't only God judge me, right? And so what role does it play? Well, in this first letter, the Apostle Paul uses four different words to communicate this judgment, examination, assessment. Crino, the most popular one to pronounce an opinion concerning right or wrong, meaning there's an assessment made or an observation made and then a conclusion given. We all right? We tracking? Don't get lost in the Greek. Okay, don't get lost. The next one, anacrino. Right? It's just the, the scrutinizing. This is what uh, the Apostle Paul uses here. Right? Like, don't judge me. Examine me. Right? Because the Lord did it. I did it. We'll get to that later. Right? Uh, diacrino. Right? The distinction to decide between arguments. Somebody who has knowledge and wisdom of God to be able to, right, decipher between the two. And uh, uh, dokimazo to test or examine, prove if something is actually genuine. All real similar, but very different, okay? And so there's three areas that God uses for us to move from, in this area of judgment, to move from immaturity to maturity. Self-awareness and self-assessment. Body life, right? Christian to Christian. That's what's happening right now, Christian to Christian. And then God's hand on work in us. Ready? This, this is good because we got to understand how God is at work in our lives, shaping us and molding us. If not, you're going to just get derailed. So, so let me give you an example.
God loves me. Awesome. Right? Man, so much joy, so much happiness, so much, like I'm so grateful for what God is doing. You start praying, you start going to church, you start tithing, you start serving the Lord, and then you wake up one morning and you, you're sick. Somebody, right, you, you're sick, and you find out somebody else is sick, and that person passes away. Come on, God. I'm doing everything right. You move on from there. You continue to come to church. You continue to pray. You continue to double down. I'm reading two chapters a day now, three chapters a day. I want to love God even more. You go to work, and you lose your job. What? Come on, God. Like, Hello, you know, I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm loving you all the time. How come it's not working out for my benefit? So you continue to come, right? One year, two years, you're still loving God. Man, I'm, I'm moving ahead in life. And then you start losing friends and family because of your commitment to Jesus. And they're like, hey. And you, you, you suck it up, you press on. You show up at church one day and your pastor is anti-you. Oh, I'm not going to come to church anymore. Right? I give up already. Like this, there's a sifting that God is committed to. And he's tender. He knows, right, what we need at every stage of life. But he's legitimately hands-on. In order to test and prove to us and to him our commitment. Our commitment may be genuine in the beginning days, but he wants to what? Establish it. Grow it. Ground it in things that are unchanging. Rather than being built on the word of man, you built on the word of God. Rather than built on the presence of people, you built on the presence of the Holy Spirit. Rather than serving the church, you understand that it's a service to God. And God is hands-on on that. So, so first one, self. The Apostle Paul, when, when he was writing this, it sounds like he's telling them, like, don't call me out on my issues. Why? Because the Apostle Paul has already self-examined himself. Right, they're, they're kind of scrutinizing. They're trying to call him out on some stuff. And he's like, you can surface whatever questions you want. It's no problem to me. What the Apostle Paul isn't saying, he's not saying self-examination within our walk with God is a bad thing. He's just telling them, I've already done the work. He's like, you can call me out on my issues. Go for it. Why? I've already done it. I've already done it. So, Fast forward. Um, wait, wait, wait. I don't know where it is on here. Anyway, uh, later on in chapter 11, he instructs those before they come to the table of God to self-examine. He says, before you come to the table and you partake in communion, take a moment, stop, and assess where you are. Why are you taking communion? What is your relationship with God? How are you treating one another? And he gives this instruction. If you have an offense with someone else or they have an offense with you, try to work that out before you come to the table. And how do you do that? Unless you self-reflect, right? Unless you look inside and you just check, like, how am I doing? Do I have a short account with God? 
Like, is there anything I should repent of? Is there anything that's like a, a, a shadow, a blinder in my life? Like, is there anything that I haven't really like? Have I said something to someone that I ought not to say? Should I go apologize? We understand? Every single one of us in here should self-assess. Where am I? What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my money? What am I doing with my mouth? Right? God loves me. He cares for me. He's been blessing me. How do I respond with that? So much of who we are within our life with God is listening to the Spirit of God, looking at God's Word, and just using that as a mirror to our lives. We understand? And it's kind of a reverse mirror because we want to look like the words on the pages versus the Bible becoming like how we are. That's big. Next week, you guys are going to want to do that. Right? There's a lot of people when it comes to godly sexuality, they're like, no, the word of God should look like how I want it to look like. You look at the world right now, there's a ton of churches not preaching the gospel. Because they get to verses like chapter 5 and chapter 6. It doesn't align with our culture. It doesn't align with their politics. It doesn't align right, with their values. It doesn't align with their, uh, uh, their lifestyle. So they raise up God's word. They look at it. And then they say, God's word become how I live. And that's not how it should be. It, 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 it makes sense, right? If you want to be worldly, chase after the world. If you want to be godly, chase after God. Don't chase after God, though, and think you can be worldly, or vice versa, right? I'm going to chase after the world, and I'm going to find godliness in the world. We all right? We all right? Self-examination. Open up God's Bible and say, God, how do I align with what is written in here? The fruits of the Spirit, right? Evidence that God is at work. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, self-control. Oh, that's a good assessment, right? Just looking at those. Am I aggravated all the time or I'm at peace? Like, do I have patience with people or, or my fuse is still real short? Like, I love Jesus, but it's just like I bark quicker than I pray. That's an assessment, right? And self-control, I mean, if there's not a... Something that's more evidence of God at work in your life, right? Like, is, is the flesh at bay, right? Do you, are you a little bit slower to speak, or are you just still real, like, witty and snappy and, you know, not encouraging? How, how are you going to get that? Number one is just self-assessment. We all right? Are we tracking? All right, number two, right, the work of others. Oh, I found it. It was right there. Did each person examine himself? Amazing. Others. <clears throat> but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be examined by you or by human courts, right? Because he did a lot of the work, and there's already people who were at work in them, right? Uh, verse chapter 6, 5 and 6. I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute? But brother goes... Uh, to the law against brother and before unbelievers. Uh, um, I'll give you another one. This is coming next week. 
For, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church called to judge those inside the church? Like what the Apostle Paul is saying is that in order for us to become more godly, we need one anothering. Most of what you find in the New Testament is like love one another, do this for one another, pray for one another, establish, confess to one another. Like there's beauty in God's community. Amen? And there's a need. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. None of us get to become more godly solo. I would not be here today if I didn't have a loving, um, mature body of believers around me that walk with me when I was in my high school years, college years, in adult years, right? In my 30s. You know, like I, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if people weren't hands-on into my life saying, Kaipo, I love you, right? I care for you. There's some great work that God is doing in your life and there's some great flaws you also have. Amen? And, and this is so very important for us because I think we're open to God correcting us. I think we're open for self-correction. But when it comes from other people who are fleshly carnal, maybe they don't deliver it right. We know that they got errors. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, right? It's a little like, rah, you kind of get defensive. Anybody there? Come on, come on. Anybody honest? Right? Right? You know, like the, the, the defense can go up. The barriers can go up. And, and, and what happens then? We can miss out on what? The Father heart of God for our lives. If, if I church top every month, right? If I went to Grace Bible and then I went to Grace Church and I went to, you know, and I just stayed in there for a little bit, what would they see? My gifts, my talents, you know? And then just as they got close enough to me to, to learn about my, my failures, boom, I went to another church. Yeah, I don't know, and I, you know, I got these gifts and then I stayed there long enough until they... Started getting a little bit of wrinkled, boom, and I went to another church. Like, and I just hopped from church to church to church. I would never what? I would never grow. No one would ever know who I truly am. But when I get rooted and established in a community, and they see my faults, and they see my failures, they see the, the work of God in my life, right? They can walk belongs, alongside me and just say, hey, Kipes. I'm reading the scriptures, and I know God has more for you. Self-examination, right? Examination from one anothering. James, uh, not James, uh, Jesus wrote in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his faults. Between you and him alone. If this was kindergarten class, this would be on the board. <laughs> How to behave in elementary school. If somebody steals your stuff, you go and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, take another or take two others along with you that every charge may be established by evidence for two or three people. If they don't get your word and they'll believe you, take a few others. Like, don't gossip, but take some others around you to establish that relationship again. If he refuses to you, tell it to the church. 
bring some skilled master believers around you, guys who've been through it before, right? Some seasoned guys who just, they know, they've seen it. They can bring some godly wisdom into the situation. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. How do we treat Gentiles and tax collectors? With love, kindness, patience, but we don't know if they're saved or not saved. And you treat them a little different. What is this? This is instructions on how we become more mature in Christ. How much of it in here are we talking about prayer and bringing up scripture? Not that you cannot do that, right? But it talks about this interaction between two people, three people, four people. Bring in the pastor in if you need. Bring some spiritual-minded people in if you need. And then if not, you just let it be. And you, you continue to love that person. But there's some deeper issues that are at work here. James, the brother of Jesus, says, confess your sins to oh, one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Meaning God can heal us, but the method through our healing that he's chosen is sometimes through what? One anothering of our issues. And then having that one another pray for us and our healing comes through that. We have a, a Restoring the Beloved group that happens at Waipuna where it's, uh, we have guys groups and, and, and girls groups and they just like, it's like a 12-step work of godliness and they just go there, you know? It's not all fluffy and clouds and puffy. It's like, where are you at, you know? Let's dive into the root behind the fruit. What happened in your childhood? What's happening in your relationships? What happened in your job? Like, what is the cause, right? What is the sin machine inside of you that gets you to respond how you are? Man, that, what God is doing through that, those groups, and he's been doing through a handful of years, is just getting people on a fast track to maturity in Christ. Amen? Because week after week after week, they're meeting with the same group, and they're just what? Examining one another. You know, and one person takes the time, and the other person takes it, and it's like, it's not easy. It's not easy. You don't have to be in one of those groups, but having a commitment to an individual. Here's a, here's a little uh, Q&A. What is a, what is a God system that does this automatically? Marriage, hello. <laughs> right? Any married couples in the house? Right? It's good to self-analyze and maybe not, a, you know, it's not fun sometimes when it's just like calling you on your issues, you know? We need it though, amen? We need it. My wife needs it. No, no, no. I, I, I was just thinking about it. Right? I need it, Amen? Like, we are a better couple because why? We chirp sometimes, you know? And then when the flesh rises up, say, God, I don't need that trash. You know, I don't need that trash. It's not leading me to godliness. It's not leading me to holiness. It's not the, it's not the father heart of God. It's the, 
You know, it's the heart of kaipo. I don't, I don't need that stuff. I tell you right now, church, in order for us to make it, we need one another. You know, you got to look with inside on your own time, but then you also got to live within community. I know we pitch life groups all the time. It's not a strategy. It's the process for us to become more like God. Where we sit down week after week and we just get to know people and they get to know us. And over time, you open up God's word and you read what's on there and you're like, man, my life is a little bit more like it. My speech is more godly. My conduct is more godly. My purity is more godly. It doesn't just happen by chance. And it doesn't only happen from self-examination. It happens collectively within the work of God, right? Amongst his body. Okay, the last one, and then we'll... We know we're second service over here. We're right. <laughs> the last one. It's God's work. Yeah, the work that God does amongst us. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Next week, for what have we to do with judging outsiders? Is not those who judge those inside, right? And God judges those who are outside. Such were some of you, right? But God spent time working on us. Hebrews chapter 12 says, if we cannot be disciplined by God, you're not really his kids. Like what little five, three, six-month-old kids do I discipline? My kids. You know? Like I'm not trying to scold your kids. You know? I mean, if they're running in the parking lot, I'll do it probably more lovingly than I do it with my daughters. You know, or, or like my youth kids when we go off to camp. Like, I'm not trying to scold kids that come from other churches, but my kids, they're going to catch cracks, you know? <laughs> Why? Because they're my kids. I care for them. I've earned the right to, right? I've put the time in. I've invested in them. I've loved them. They know my heart. They're going to catch the heat. Why? Because they know I love them, right? I spend a lot of time, 99% of the time, it's all on the fun, positive side, right? But I'm not afraid to, right? I'm not going to withhold the 1% of time where they need, like, just good, loving, godly wisdom and instruction. Okay? The God factor in that, God is hands-on. He's the potter who's forming us who are the clay. He's the John 15 farmer, right? He's the vineyard worker walking through the vineyard, cutting off the branches that aren't producing fruit. And the branches that are producing fruit, he prunes so that it can produce more fruit later. There's some things that God is doing amongst us that is just like, we, we need vision to see that though. It's not always easy to see what the, the hard hand of God looks like, what the correction discipline of God looks like, right? But it's needed Right? If you loving God every day, you reading, you praying, you moving on, and then there's sometimes it's just trial, struggle. Right? But you, you're like, I love God, and I'm moving on. And there's just trials in the church, leadership in the church, leadership at your job, and some things that are just 
probably might not be a bad thing to just have a conversation. God, is this you? Are you taking me on a valley of a shadow of death journey? Amen? Where it's just like it's not because of you. It's not because of others. But there's just some season in there. It's good for us to be aware of that. Yeah? It's good for us to be aware of that. Let's end right here. I I think you guys get it, right? That God is moving us on from immaturity to maturity. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? That word there, this naos, right? This like the, the, the most holy place in the temple. Right? So the temple had the outer layer, had the inner layer, and then had like the inside, inside layer that never have any light. It was only the Ark of the Covenant and then the two angels that hovered over the middle. And then what brought light to the dark place in the temple was what? The Spirit of God that showed up like a light. That temple was demolished and the Spirit that brought light into the darkness, into that secret place, lives in every person who is a professing believer of Jesus Christ. And so if you profess faith, that journey is happening. Moving from immaturity to maturity. Our part to play is just submitting ourselves to God's word, submitting ourselves to one another, amen, and submitting ourselves to God and say, God, at the end of the day, I don't want to be more kaipo'ili. I want to be more godly. Amen? There's no miracle, right? There's no uh, uh, hocus pocus. It's just putting the time and energy into it. So my encouragement to you, continue to come on weekends. My encouragement to you is find other believers around you and walk with one or two of them every week or every other week, right? Or once a month. But it needs to become rhythmic, amen? Like you need to have somebody rhythmically meeting with you to encourage you, feed you, love you, right? We call that life groups. Call it whatever you want. I don't care if you call it life groups, but find somebody and start meeting. Amen? Okay? Lastly, just be open to the work of God around you. Let's stand. We're a little bit over the time. Um, but we're all caught up. Amen? We're all caught up. If you want the more exhaustive version, you can go listen to the last two weeks in Kula. But uh, let's pray. And uh, Travis will, will lead us. I'm out of here, and uh, we'll move on for our, our day. Ah, Jesus, thanks for this morning. Lord, um, thanks for your word. Thanks for your heart, God, that is communicated through your word. You don't want to leave us uh, as sinners, so you save us. And when we're saved, you don't want to leave us just saved. You want to cleanse us off. And then you want to send us out, God, to become godly and holy. Like, I love, God, that you want to draws from the world onto you right Uh, for all those who believe in your name who've received you you've called us sons and daughters of god and so being a son being a daughter god i pray that we would be open to receiving your blessings 
your provisions, the answers to prayer. But I pray also that as sons and daughters of God, we would be open, God, to um, your hand on our lives. We don't want to... I, I pray, God, that hearts here wouldn't want to stay the same. I pray, God, that people here wouldn't enjoy, you know, calloused, hardened lifestyles and, and, and postures to you. But I, but I pray, God, that each person here would be open to the loving hand of God in their lives. And, uh, and so we invite you, God. We invite you to come and, and have your way with us. Be with us as we self-examine. You know, be with us as we allow others to examine. Be with us, God, as we allow you to examine. And so in the midst of all of this, God, we pray that you'd get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. But we give our lives to you, God. We pray that you would work a miracle out um, in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jam one more on the way out because have a great day. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. Some coffee, got some snacks, good time to fellowship. Aloha Sunday.